Romans 6, 17 and 18. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And I thank the Lord that y'all that He's called us. And if you look at those scriptures that we just read, we were servants of sin. I know this is Christianity 101. It's the most basic uh, simple truth, we were servants of sin. You might have considered yourself a good old boy. I consider myself kind of like a good old boy. Like I wasn't the one always getting in the worst trouble and I behaved my parents for the most part and did well in school for the most part and was just a regular kind of kid and played ball and did all those things. But I didn't know Jesus, okay? I was a servant of sin. And that's what the Bible says we all were. Whether there's some horrible criminal or, or just a lost person. Everybody's without Christ until they come to know Christ. And we weren't only sinners, but the Bible says we were servants of sin. And Jesus says, don't you know whoever you yield yourself to obey, you know, His servants you are to whom you yield yourselves to obey, whether sin unto death or unto Christ, unto holiness and righteousness. That is it. That's the two choices. Okay? We yield ourselves unto sin. We just give it yielding is a verb. I mean, it is an action word, but it's not much of an action. You just have to kind of sit by and allow something else to take take charge or take precedence or take the authority. That's yielding yourself to sin. It doesn't take a lot of effort to be a sinner. We're born in sin. It doesn't take a lot of effort to go through life just yielded to sin. Uh, but the Bible says, God be thanked, we were servants of sin. But now we're born again because what do we do? We clean ourselves up? No. We, we joined a religion? No. It says we obeyed that form of doctrine that was given to us. What is that doctrine? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of the world. We obeyed that. And when we obeyed that, we became servants of righteousness. The Bible tells us that. The Lord made us that. So we've become something else. In verse 22, now being made free from sin. Thank you, Lord. You made us free from sin and become servants of God. That's whose servants we are. You have your fruit unto holiness in the end, everlasting life. The fruit of those things before, the Bible says we're ashamed of those things now. The fruit that was coming from that sinful life, we look back and we kind of wish that we had never done that. I'm thankful that it's under the blood. But it's sometimes kind of painful even to think about it and say how shameful that was, what I was doing. I can't believe that. But we were servants of sin. God saved us by faith in Jesus Christ, and He's made us servants of God and servants of righteousness. And the Bible said, David said in, in the, the Psalms, he said, I would rather be a doorkeeper. as a servant, right? A worker. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in tents of wickedness. So he was king when he said that. He was king when he wrote that. He was king and had this authority and fame and power and wealth and, and uh, people, uh, people's adoration and so forth. And yet he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper with God and the house of God and the people of God serving my Lord than to, be, to dwell in the tents. That would have been like the mansions, I guess, of the wicked. I just want to read this scripture to you. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews 9.14 How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, that's from, to serve the living God. A lot of times we're focused on what the Lord saved us from. And we ought to. Especially in our study in Hebrews where we studied that chapter before. He... he, he uh, purged our conscience from dead works. He saved us from our sin. But it also says, He purged your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be a healthy church, if this is going to be a healthy church, or any church is going to be a healthy church, it's going to be a church that serves the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're talking about today. Our focus today is going to be on serving the Lord. A healthy church is going to be a serving church. It's going to be a church that's busy, but not simply for the sake of being busy. We're busy and actively being led by God and we're really doing, we're putting feet to our faith. The Bible says faith without works is what? 
dead, right? It's a dead faith. The Bible does talk about a dead faith. There's a dead faith, and that's it. It's a faith that has no works to it. That's a dead faith. And the Bible says that Rahab the harlot was justified by faith when she obeyed what, what God put in her heart to do to hide the spies and identified herself with the people of God, put her life at risk to spare those two men of God that were there, the children of Israel that were getting ready to take the land. So there were works, there were feet to her faith. Abraham, when he offered up his son Isaac, and the Bible says that faith wrought by his works. His faith worked by his works. And so, y'all, I'm not preaching a salvation that comes through works. I'm going to say that again later in this sermon because I want to make the point that nobody leaves here and you were daydreaming during this part. So I'm going to say it again later. That we're not teaching or preaching, nor do we believe, nor does the Bible teach, nor do we hold to a salvation by works. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works of, by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. So we understand that's where salvation comes. But the saved life is going to be a life that is not a servant to sin. A saved life that's truly saved by the blood of Jesus is going to be a life that is a servant because He made us that. You have become the servants of righteousness. We have, and there's fruit to that life. Good fruit. We had all the bad fruit, the corrupt fruit that was coming from sin. And if I lived a life of sin today, it would still come to my life. But, but now we're going to have fruit unto righteousness. And there's, it's a wonderful fruit that's going to come. So we're not preaching salvation by works. We're talking about a life of works that accompany salvation. That come along with true salvation. And I don't, I'm not ashamed of that. And I don't, uh, I'm not afraid to preach it. not afraid to preach grace a thousand percent. not afraid to preach uh, the works that accompany salvation a thousand percent. <coughs> Amen? And so, uh, if we're going to be a healthy church, this church right here, Cornerstone Church, yes. we're going to have to be, and we are that, but it's going to be what characterizes more and more our churches. We're going to be faithful to the Lord in service. You individually and as a church, we need to serve the Lord. This, we're not left here on this earth for our own comfort, and it's so we can just get spiritually fat and rich you know, just overeating and indulging on spiritual food just and just keeping it to ourselves. We are fed and we're to go out and serve. We're to go into all the world and minister this gospel and serve others. So we have to be faithful in service to the Lord. I just want um, to just give some verses. We're not going to turn to all of them. Psalm 2, verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That's something we're called to do. Serve the Lord with fear. It's kind of funny. How can you be trembling in fear and at the same time, the same sentence, be talking about rejoicing? That's a walk with God. There's a holy fear and a reverence of God. And in that, there's still a joy unspeakable. It's not two different gods or two different walks. It's one walk with the Lord where I fear God and I serve the Lord with fear and I rejoice with, before the Lord in, in the same breath. It's possible to do. He's holy and He's kind and He's good and He's good to us. And that's how we're serving. Our service is upward to the Lord. Okay? I can remember a sermon I heard years ago that still impacted my life. Is that any ministry that we have, you're sitting out here and you got a ministry helping the kids with their singing, get these songs ready. Or sitting back there where nobody sees and you're taking care of the little kids so that everybody else and the moms can enjoy church. Whatever we're doing or a full-time missionary, a full-time pastor, Sunday school teacher, whatever service we have to the Lord, whatever ministry we have, has to first of all be to the Lord. I don't run out there and say, I'm going to try to think of a good ministry. What does our community need? What does Baton Rouge need? You know, And I go out and I try to meet that need. The world can do that. Amen. To an extent, the world can do that and does do that. And God's people can do that as well. But what we have to do is, first of all, minister unto the Lord. It's like a service. Even if you're ministering to little children, wiping their noses, okay, and, and, and keeping them calm and teaching them about Noah and the animals on the ark. If you're ministering to those little kids, we first give it to God and we minister unto the Lord. This is to you, Lord. And then God will use us. So first of all, our ministry is upward to the Lord. Our worship is to the Lord. Our service is to the Lord. Our ministry is unto God. And, it, and then it's outward on, towards men. But if the first one's out of whack, the second one's not going to be effective. 
I promise you. And and it's same thing like for a marriage, okay? If we were teaching a marriage class here and we talked about husbands, you know, uh, loving your wives and, and wives honoring your husbands and so forth, that comes after, that's not first, that's second. My adoration towards the Lord and my commitment to Christ, if that is what it should be, then my love for my wife will be what it's supposed to be. But if I put her first and God second or third or somewhere down the road, like my wife and my kids and then God, you know, I would never say that with my mouth that I'm doing that. But if I actually live that way, you know what? I'm going to be failing the Lord because He is. I'm going to love Him with all my heart, soul, and mind and put Him above all others. But also, I'm not going to be the best husband I would be, should be to my wife. And it sounds like that wouldn't be that way, but it is. When we put God first in everything, and He will make me the parent I need to be, the pastor I need to be, the Christian I need to be, the husband I need to be, the friend I need to be, the employer I need to be, the employee I need to be. God will make me that if I put Him first. If I put any of those other things first, my service to the Lord is going to be out of whack, and it's going to affect everything. All those other arenas or areas of life. Okay, so we got a coach back here, and I've done some coaching and so forth. And William's a coach. If you put anything before the Lord, you're not going to be the best coach you should be. If you'll put God first, He'll make you. It doesn't mean you're going to win the state championship, but He'll make you the best coach that you can be. You'll be the best person you can be. You understand what I'm saying? And so, service to the Lord is first of all unto God and then outwardly to men. And as we faithfully uh, serve the Lord, guess what? People are going to see God in us. If we take this Jesus to the street to help homeless people or feed people or bring this gospel to people or whatever it may be, uh, rebuilding houses after the flood, gutting houses after the flood, and doing all that, People are going to see the Lord in us that they may see your good works and glorify who? You, because you're such a wonderful person. No, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. The Bible says when, when Nebuchadnezzar threw, threw, those he, threw Hebrew boys in the fire and then he comes close enough so he didn't get burned up, but he could peer over. From what I understand, it was more like a pit. It was like down on the ground where they would, they would burn to make bricks and burn things to, to, to make the bricks or clay pots or whatever. So it's a big pit and he gets to the edge after he'd thrown these three Hebrew boys in and he called to them Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. That's what he called them. That's an honor. They weren't servants of, of some idol or some king that told them to bow down to an idol. Guess what? They were faithful to even an idolatrous king. They did their job well. They weren't disloyal to him but they were loyal to God Amen. all the way. And even this ungodly king recognizes it and says, you, you servants of the Most High God. Well, that's what we are, y'all. That's what we are if we're born again. And we just read it in Romans. He's made us servants unto God. And so, it is both the duty of, and responsibility of a believer and our privilege. It's our duty and our privilege to serve the Lord be called by His name's sake and to worship the Lord and to serve Him. All of creation is honoring the Lord. There's this part of a psalm here I want to read from 148. It says, Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling His word. How do you think of vapor and hail and, and a wind fulfilling God's <coughs> word? But it's, it's doing what it's created to do. And it's doing it at the Lord's command. And if the Lord wants it to snow, it snows, okay? That's fulfilling God's Word. Well, how much more if creation that's not created in the image of God, it's created by God, but man, how much more should man who's created in the image of God fulfill His Word and fulfill His will by serving Him and by worshiping the Lord? We don't get saved and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'll see you later. I'm going about my life pretty much the way it was before. And that's the way some people do. I've tried that for a few years of my life. It doesn't work. We become servants of the Lord. How much more should we than a, some animal out there or the sky or the sunset that's obeying the Lord and going down at the right time and it honors God? How much more should somebody not only create the image of God but saved and filled with the Holy Ghost of Almighty God honor the Lord and, and bring Him such glory by the way we serve Him? We all know the Scriptures, so you don't have to turn there, but Romans 12, 1, 
where it says, Paul says, <clears throat> I beseech you therefore, he's begging him basically, uh, brethren, Christian brothers, by the mercies of God that you do what? Present your bodies as this, as a, as living, as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is what? Your reasonable service. I'm going to define two words. They, they don't have any hidden meanings, really. Reasonable, reasonable service. Reasonable means logical or rational. Okay? Logical or rational. Service means to minister, to give homage to, to worship. And a servant, actually, which we've talked about, servants of the Most High God. Servant is a bond servant, a slave, or to be in subjection to. So basically what this verse is saying that our, it's our reasonable service as Christians, as born-again men and women of God. It's not, it's logical, it's reasonable. It's not illogical, it's not over the top, it's not too much to give ourselves into servitude to the Lord. Amen. It's not too much, it's not requiring too much. It's not for an elite group of Christians that are called to be missionaries or something like that or they're, they're just prayer warriors and they pray 24-7. It's for believers, brethren, by the mercies of God. It's our reasonable service to be to present ourselves wholly acceptable to the Lord. And so it's not God requiring too much of us. God be thanked. We were in bondage to sin. We were servants of sin. Y'all, our time on this earth is short. We have to remember that. We have to keep reminding ourselves and kicking ourselves that, that the time on this earth is short. I want to read a little illustration. It says there was a certain factory, I don't know how long ago this was, where each man was required to finish a, a certain amount of work each day or in a certain amount of time. Okay? This, was, this is what, what it was like in the factory. And so that they installed bells that they rung at intervals to remind the men just how much time they had left. And the, the owner said, men, the men work better when they realize that the day is slipping away from them. The same thing is true of us concerning spiritual things. We need to often be reminded that time is short. The night cometh, the Bible says, when no man can work, right? It hasn't come yet. I need to remind myself. I know that scripture. That's from John 4 about the night cometh. But I need to remind myself of it. It's not that I, enough that I know it. Why are we here? We were here last Sunday. Why are we back again this Sunday? Because we're reminding ourselves. We're encouraging ourselves. We're provoking one another. The Lord's, excuse me, building us up. And, and uh, our time is short. We need to remember that. That God's moving us onward. I want to read an illustration. Um, there was a, a deacon in a church up around Boston. And he, one day he was thinking, he said, you know, I'm a deacon here, but I really can't do much. I'm not a good speaker. I, I can't pray in the prayer meetings publicly because I just don't speak well enough. I can't preach or teach and do a lot of other things that other people in the church do. He said, but there's something I can do. I'm going to set two extra dinner plates at my table every day, every Sunday. And, and, and I can bring home some single guys, some guys from the church that may be visiting in town and they don't have a family or anything like that, and I can feed them. And he did this, and he did this for some 30 years of his life. And no, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal. He didn't preach a sermon or write a book or anything like that. And um, it says that many of those young men became Christians because of his influence in that church. And after 30 years of this, he, the man died. The Lord called him home. He was buried about 30 miles outside of town in Andover, Massachusetts. And there was a, they rented a special train to bring people out to the, the service. And it was made known, any of you guys that you know he fed over the years, any people that knew this man that passed away, uh, we got a special boxcar reserved just for y'all. And it says 150 men packed on that car. And... And they all came out there. They had all become Christians. That's just who showed up. Okay, 150 of them. So it's, it's service to the Lord. And what He requires of us is not too much. It's not too little either. Whatever He gives us to do, we need to be faithful to do what God's called us to do. Okay? And so I said this earlier that, y'all, it would be easy to have the mindset that, okay, Christians are supposed to serve, so let's just get busy. 
we could busy ourselves very much and we could busy we could fill up our church calendar literally to where we had something every night we could and there's there's nothing wrong with any of these things i'm about to mention by the way but we could have a ladies bible study every week and a men's bible study every week and we could have a prayer meeting you know and and just outreach and visitation and i'm not saying we shouldn't do all those things I'm saying is that we don't, what I'm saying is that we don't want to busy ourselves just to busy ourselves. If we're really going to serve the Lord, let's spend the time in prayer, individually and as a church, to find out what He wants us to do. And so far, I believe we're doing that. God may increase more and more, okay, in this church, in this body. But we don't want to just get busy and say, okay, look, I'm serving God. He may not have wanted us to do that. We want to be led by the Lord in what we do. And uh, we could fill up our lives with that Christian activities and programs. And guess what? You never have time to visit your grandmother. Isn't that Christian as well? Shouldn't we visit our grandmother or mother or, or whatever? And sometimes I think we can get so busy in the church itself, the four walls of the church, or this is an outreach of the church, that we can't just be real and go have supper with a friend and talk to him about Jesus. Why? Because I don't have time. Because I gotta be at church Thursday night. I gotta be at church Friday night. I gotta be at church Saturday morning. And I gotta be at church. You know what I mean? And I want to be at church, but I want us to want to be at church. And I want to be at church when God has us here. And if He increases something or adds something for a season, maybe He would do some, um, you know, ladies' thing on a on a night or a men's thing on a night or whatever. But I don't want us to be so bound up that we couldn't just have a neighborhood Bible study. What if God just put on Chris and Maria's heart at their new home to every Thursday night to invite some friends over? And But if we were so busy in the church, they, they wouldn't have time to do that. See, So I'm saying we need to serve the Lord with all we have, but we need to be led by the Lord in how we serve the Lord and not just get busy to get busy because it's easy to do. It's a trap. And, and I could fall into it myself and probably have at times of my life where I'm serving and I want to stay busy, busy. And, and God may want us to sit. Sometimes the Lord wants you to sit. Sometimes the Lord he wants us to rest. You know, be still and listen and know that He's God. But until He comes, we're to serve the Lord. We do know that. And in serving the Lord, we are to serve Him joyfully and we are to serve Him humbly. And we, one day the Bible says we're going to enter into a rest. There's another rest that's coming. There's an inward rest we have now. Even though we're tired physically and we're busy and this world's beating down on us and temptations are all around us and we're, we're fighting, we're in a spiritual warfare, there's still an inward rest, right, that we have. Peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you, Jesus said. But there's a, a real rest, a physical rest that remains one day we get to heaven. And we're going to get to go, you know, just really rest. We won't be fighting sin anymore, the devil or temptation or worldly compromise or anything like that. We'll just be like the Lord and we'll be with the Lord and there'll be this complete rest. There's no more antagonism. There's no battle. There's no little temptation. But turn on the TV and this is on TV and it's not, it's, it's sinful. There won't be any of that anymore one day. And so there's a rest that's coming. And I'm looking forward to it. The Bible says strive, means work, to enter into this rest. So I'm working for a future rest that's coming. And while I'm here, I want to serve God. And while I'm here, I'm called to serve God and uh, to pray and to worship and to, and to love one another and to obey Him and to abide in Him. And the Lord's going to bring all this about. He's going he's gonna to bring us into that rest that He has for us one day. There was, a, uh, there was a believer that had just gotten saved. I mean, just for a few days even. And, a, and they were in a Sunday school class. And the teacher said, what have you done for the Lord since you've been saved? And they go, well, I just got saved. I'm a learner. I'm just here to learn. And they said, well, let me ask you something. When you light a candle, do you, do you want it to give light? when it's halfway burned down or as soon as you light it. I want to give light as soon as I light it. I said, well, you need to get out there 
and do the same. As soon as you light it, you've been lit. You're the light of the world. Go serve the Lord. Go talk to the Lord. It says soon there was 50 new believers in that community because of this new believer that just gotten saved. Went out and started telling people about the Lord. And so we're to serve God. We start serving Him right away. Now there might be things He prepares us for that are coming later. You know, bigger things. But we can start serving the Lord right away. You can tell somebody about Jesus. You can start interceding in prayer. There's a, you can give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, the Bible says. And the Lord receives that as well. And so we're working with, with the Lord. We're not just working for the Lord. And as we keep our eyes upon the Lord and walk with Him, the same Lord who equipped us, I mean, who saved us and called us, also equips us to serve Him. The Bible says that we're ministers. We are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. So we're laborers together with God. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful to know that I'm not just working for the Lord and keep looking up and saying, how am I doing, God? Am I getting the job done? He's with me. He's with me. He empowers me to do it. And the Bible says that the Lord, uh, that they went everywhere, the apostles preaching the Word, the Lord working with them, confirming the Word with signs and wonders following. Aren't you glad that when the apostles went out, did what the Lord told them to do? They're working. They're going out to serve God. But as they go out to serve God, the Bible says the Lord was with them, working with them, confirming the Word. You know what the Holy Ghost is saying through your life when you bring the Gospel out to this world? Holy Ghost and the Lord is with you. And the Holy Ghost is saying, yes, yes, yes. This is my servant. This is my Gospel he's preaching. This is the truth, what they're saying. And the Lord's working with them and maybe healing the sick or raising the dead or doing these miracles or convicting the, a sinner's heart of their sin and their need for a Savior. You're not just working for the Lord. You're working with the Lord. And He, he equips us and empowers us to do it. And so we need to be in this lifetime to be used up for the Lord. Okay? I, mean, I really want you to think about it for a second. Have you ever done something? I know guys probably haven't. I'm sure women have too. But I can think of times... Uh, working, building houses in the past, remodeling houses that Dee and I were going to live in. And I remember one summer, uh, we, we were remodeling a house. It took me two years to do it. And I was only, I was going to be working on the roof. And, and we had to get a new roof put on. It was an old house we bought. Well, I started noticing that as we were replacing the shingles, that a lot of the wood under there was rotten. I mean, a lot of it. Well, the, the roofers were there, and they were coming to start working. And so I was, and I had one other guy helping me, and we were trying to keep up with a crew of roofers who were nailing shingles, trying to stay ahead of them, cutting out rotten wood and replacing it up a ladder and slapping it down and nailing it and screwing it in place with the roofers coming behind us in July or whatever it was. And I remember at the end of that day, I was spent, okay? We've all had times like that. We're exhausted like that physically. But uh, Paul says, I'll gladly spend and be spent for you. So it's like we, we use ourselves up for the Lord. And yet God, and then God <coughs> refills us and, and you know, replenishes us. And so there's times even in the Bible where Jesus would call his disciples away. You know, they were ministering all the time and healing the sick people and making the lame to walk. And there was times he would call them aside to rest. So even in our service, there's times of rest. But it doesn't change the fact that we're still servants of the Lord. Okay, We spend our life serving God. There's times God will call us aside. He'll refill us with His Spirit. We need that. We need times of refreshing. And we don't live that way. We, we live serving God and there's times... He calls us aside to refresh us. So, uh, anyway, uh, the, the scripture, uh, I want you to turn back to, uh, I'm sorry, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 3, 14 and 15, because I want to see where our service arises from. First of all, where, where does it come from? Mark 3, we see the Lord calling his disciples. Our Lord stayed up all night and He prayed and when the morning came, He called His disciples. Mark 3, 14 and 15. It says, And He ordained twelve that they should be with Him. 
that's, we don't just want to read over that and pretend like it's not there. That he, he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. So we would say that the second half of that was their service, right? They're going to heal the sick. They're going to preach. They're going to cast out devils. But he, he ordained 12 that they should be with him. And that's the first calling that we have is to be with the Lord. That relationship with God has to be there. And so we don't just take off like a chicken with their head cut off, run around, and like I said, inventing ways to serve God. We, we sit before the Lord and there's a relationship between God and man through faith in Jesus Christ. We're born again. We're His sons and daughters. He calls us His friends. He says, I don't call you servants anymore, but friends. And so we walk with the Lord and then our service arises from that. Okay? So get to know your Bible and know it and what it says and what God's expecting and requiring of us. And get to know this God who wrote the Bible and, and walk with Him daily. And then He will give us a service and a ministry. Not just necessarily one thing. could be a lot of things. You know? But He's going to... That service from, to the Lord is going to arise out of out of our relationship with God. It's going to come from that. So remember that. Develop your relationship with the Lord. Let that come into being. And y'all, I want to tell you that it's not always easy. Serving the Lord can be hard. Okay? Serving the Lord can be hard. And Paul told Timothy, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Why? Because there's work involved in it. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. And so it can be difficult at times to serve the Lord. But whatever it is, y'all, we need to be active. And one of the traits that's going to characterize this church and your life and this body and my life is going to be that we're actively serving God. We're, we're telling people about Jesus. And that they too can be born again. We're telling, we're discipling those that are born again and taking them under our wing. And we don't, we don't have to work, wait for a church program to do that necessarily. Okay? I think the church itself is a great discipler of men. There's no doubt. There's not a better one. Okay? But you may win someone to the Lord and we don't have quite a new believers class right now. You know, but you can bring them to church and you can spend time with them and you can check up on them. And if you, they miss a couple of services or something, you call and check on them and, hey, why don't you come over? I'm coming to pick you up. We're going to go to the Pine Road Park. We're going to sit out there and pray for a while. And we're going to study through the book of James or something. You can do that. And you don't have to wait on the church program to do that. And we give a big fancy name to it. This is our church program for this. If we would just live that way, open our eyes and see what God, and there are wonderful church programs as well. Okay, I'm just talking about walking it out, discipling men, uh, the, the ministry of, of uh, giving and helping people and so forth. God will bless us. In this church, we want it more and more to be characterized by a church that's serving. And it can be extremely difficult. Who, who in here has found it at times? This doesn't characterize everything you do, but at, at times you found it <clears throat> hard. Your service to the Lord was hard. What he called you to do was difficult. There's sometimes I can think about Glory House. I can think about things in, in pastoring. I can think about certain uh, mission trips or whatever it may be. And all of us here, sometimes serving God can be difficult, but it's okay. It, should, it can be difficult, but it should never be burdensome, if that makes sense. Because the Bible says that this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. They aren't grievous. They're only grievous and burdensome if I look at it that way. I say, man, God's got me. I've got to do this again on Saturday mornings. I've got to go pick up all these little kids that can't drive and bring them to Sunday school or children's church or whatever. <clears throat> it's only burdensome if I look at it that way. Because they're commandments that God gave. If He really called me to do that, say to pick up little kids and bring them, if He called me to do it, then it's not burdensome. If I just did it to, so that y'all all would think that I'm a wonderful Christian, it would be burdensome. Mm -hmm. Or if I did it to relieve my conscience somehow of, you know, by doing good works, it would be burdensome. And it would be too much. At some point, I'd quit it. Mm -hmm. Okay? Or I'd do it for a long time and despise it. 
guess what? No rewards in heaven for that. <clears throat> it can be very hard and at the same time be joyful. It should never be grievous to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. That's how He wants us to serve Him. Serve the Lord with gladness. And so uh, it comes out of our relationship with God. The Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And so there's an, as a, a, a link there between the two. But y'all, the focus, and I want to <clears throat> stress this, is our focus has to be upon the Lord. The focus cannot just be on the service. I said at the beginning, I'm saying again, that if, you're, if we're preparing uh, for a mission trip, then we're going to go on three months from now. <clears throat> I pray we, are, we do start going on some mission trips soon. <clears throat> Or going to minister at the prisons or whatever. Our focus has to be on the Lord. And then God will show us what this service at the prison should be like. Or what this mission trip's all about. And so forth. If I just get the humanitarian mindset, it's not going to be what God's called to be. <clears throat> it's going to be missing the mark. It's not going to be fulfilling to us or glorifying to God. Put the relationship with God first. Abiding in Him, growing in Him, communing with Him, and then true effective ministry to the Lord and service to the Lord will come out of that. It will be produced by that. And uh, and I want to say this a few few points as we're as we're kind of coming to the close of this. You and I must count the cost of serving the Lord. We could do lots of sermons and lessons, so I'm just speaking what God gave me for today. But there can be a cost in a life of serving the Lord. Your whole life is given over to serving God. <clears throat> There's a cost in that. And God may require a few things of your life or my life, right? I know He's going to require some things, but I've thought about these four things. God re may require you or me to serve the Lord in some way that's relatively alone in the sense that this is just something He's called me to do. And other people may not be joining you in the work. Or other people may not understand what you're doing or even know what you're doing. Let's say that life of intercession like we've talked about before. I don't think the world knows who most of the intercessors are. Now, all of us to agree are called to pray and intercede. There's some people whose life is a life of intercession. And you say, well, man, I haven't seen them out winning souls or anything. But maybe it's because they're praying that you're getting to lead people to the Lord in your Parkview Bible study or your you know, downtown ministry or whatever. It's because somebody's locked up beseeching heaven. And so they're serving God what looks like alone. Okay, It might be lonely to an extent. Elijah didn't have a lot of people with him, the prophet Elijah. He stood before the Lord. And he was in the wilderness alone being fed by the ravens and so forth. And... The country was backslidden. He served the Lord to a great extent alone. But you might be called to do that. You and I might be called to do more than our brother in Christ or sister in Christ does. Have you ever thought of that? I may be called to do more, or you might be called to do more than the guy on your left and right. Are you okay with that? You understand what I'm saying? Am I okay with that? Um, I might be called to serve the Lord in some unusual way that as I said, not only a lonely way, but an unusual way. It's very public and people see it, but they might not quite get the importance of what you're doing. And I think about an Old Testament prophet like Ezekiel. You know, the Bible said that uh, God called Ezekiel for 390 days to lay on his left side. That's weird, you know? Lay on your side 390 days, just on your left side. People saw him doing this. I, that doesn't mean he never got up, but when he laid down, he laid on his left side. Each day represented a year, and it, it was for the iniquity, to bear the iniquity, symbolic bearing of the iniquity of Israel. And then he said, I want you to lay on your right side for 40 days, every day for 40 days, to bear the iniquity of Judah. Now that's an unusual thing. I'm not called to do that. But sometimes the Lord will call us to do things that may look unusual to people. He may call you to give all your money to something. And other people say, whoa, 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 whoa. And it makes them look bad because they're not giving or whatever. But they're called to that. You see what I'm saying? We have to be obedient. We all stand and fall before the Lord. 
ourselves. There are certain guidelines through the Word of God that would be common for all of us. And there are certain callings on our life that could be unusual. And we need to be faithful to the Lord, even if it's unusual. Okay? And one more thought about, you might be called to serve the Lord in some way that's largely unnoticed or, and, and or unappreciated. Even, not only by the world, your, your service to the Lord is probably not going to be appreciated by the world. We're okay with that. But there might be things that God calls you to do that the, the church doesn't notice or appreciate. And maybe they should, and that's on them. But at the same time, we need to be faithful to the Lord even so. Okay? So I'm telling everybody in the room and, and telling myself this, we need to be okay with what God's called us to do. We need to serve Him faithfully and joyfully and humbly, even if it's not appreciated, if it's unnoticed, we don't get a bunch of attaboys and pats on the back, and we don't get a, you know what I'm saying, a special plaque or a gold watch or something when we retire. Uh, there's, we should appreciate each other's service. I'm going to say that at the beginning, but there's times we're going to go through life and nobody knows what you did for the Lord, but the Lord knows what you did for the Lord. And the Bible says, your Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. And so we serve the Lord in that way. And, you know, we're, we're Jesus, right before Jesus ascended, he's with his disciples and he's talking to Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me, right? Feed my sheep. If we love the Lord, we're going to serve him. Feed my sheep. If you love me, then do. Do what I'm calling you to do. My sheep, they're mine. And I'm entrusting them to you. And Peter looks around and he looks at John. He says, what about this man, John? Because the Lord had just told Peter, you're going to die a martyr's death for me. You're going to get old and somebody's going to take you and lead you by the hand where you don't want to go. And the Bible says specifically, he was talking about what death he was going to die to glorify the Lord. So Peter looks at John and says, Lord, what about him over there? What about John? And the Lord says, what is that to you? Follow me. That teaches us a lot. Teaches me a lot. Well, Reynold here gets all this fame and everybody thinks he's the most wonderful Christian. He does this and he gets to speak publicly and he gets to do this. I'm just making up things. And then here's somebody else over here and they don't get noticed at all. You know, but, but we just need to serve the Lord. Their Father who sees in secret is going to reward us openly. All the praise of men is going to fade away real quick anyway. We're going to be left with the Lord and the rewards that He gives us on that day that Peter talks about. There was a man, a young surgeon. He had trained to be a surgeon. He became a surgeon in, in, uh, in London. And he had some time in the evenings. And when he was through, he took interest in like a, a rescue mission home for helping homeless people. And he was there one night. And at the first service he went to, uh, there was a little boy, orphan boy, sleeping by himself by the, by the fire at this mission home. And the surgeon went up to him, the young doctor went up to him and said, uh, son, it's time to go home. And the little boy wakes up and looks at him and says, I don't have a home. And so the doctor brings him home with him. He brings him to his house. And he feeds him and cleans him up. And he's taking this little boy, not just for a night, he's bringing him home to live with him. And he says to the little boy, are there others like you in London? He goes, the little boy goes, lots of us. And he goes, can you, the doctor says, can you show me where they are? So it was late at night. He goes, I'm going to show you. And he brought him to some, obviously this is time, some time ago, but he brings him to an old coal shed where they stored coal. And they looked in there and peeked around with a flashlight and none of the kids were there. And the little kid said, I know where they are. They're on the roof because the police must have been after them. So they went up on the roof and there was 13 kids sleeping. And they're all huddled together trying to stay warm in, in vain. And the man looked down and something was birthed in him that night. And he took these kids home and it says that began a string. And it doesn't give a name of these homes, but this doctor started a string that was stretched all across Europe of these homes for these little orphan boys. It was birthed that night. And um, it, was, it was sparked in his heart. And it says, surely this is a demonstration that here is service. There is service for all those who nurture concern for the souls of those perishing around them. So if you're thinking, I can't do anything to serve. These came like little lighthouses all across Europe. And it says that uh, over 10,000 soldiers who fought in World War I came through these homes. Wow. 
mean, think about it. They're fighting, and 10,000 soldiers came up through this. This man had, a, had a, a burden, and God gave him a service to do. And he first took one home, you know what I mean? And then it, it's something, you'd have to look back and say, well, God did that. Well, he did do that. All the glory goes to God. The ability, the intelligence, all that was the Lord. But he put it in this man's heart and he responded to serve the Lord in that way. And I want to read this scripture and we're, we're going to close here in just a minute. But the Bible says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. The Lord is not going to forget what we've done for him. I might forget what I've done, and that's okay. You certainly might forget what I've done, and I might forget what you've done for the Lord. But the Bible says that God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. It's a labor of love. That's what he calls it. And that we minister to the Lord and to his people. He, he remembers it all. Okay? And I'm thankful for that. And I just want to close by, by this, thinking about this parable. You know the parable of the vineyard? And uh, well, if you want to turn there, you can turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 20. It's the last passage we'll turn to. Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says this is like the kingdom of heaven. Alright? This is what he's talking about. Kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. We know the story. He goes and gets laborers and they agree to work with him for him for a penny a day and they go start working. At different times of the day. Verses 6 and 7. Skip down. And about the 11th hour, that's late in the afternoon, y'all. Okay? 11th hour would have been like 5 in the afternoon. The, the, the Jewish day, I think, started at 6 a.m., so this would be 5 p.m. 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They said unto him, Because no man has hired us. He said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So I was thinking about this when I was thinking about serving the Lord, okay? I'm not even going to finish reading the parable. I'm just thinking about this one thing. If the Lord came to me or to you and said, Randy, why are you standing around idle all day? Mary said, this, this parable is like the kingdom of heaven. Why are you standing idle all day? Well, I just don't think I've got any real calling or I don't think I have anything really to do. They said, no man's hired us. Okay, but the Bible tells us clearly God has hired us. If you want to look at it in that sense, He's hired us. He's already hired us. Hired us. He's made us servants of the Lord, and we ought not we ought not be standing idly around all day, but to be serving the Lord faithfully and actively serving the Lord, and it glorifies God. Not busy for the sake of being busy, and not for our own recognition and glory, but for God's sake and for His glory. The Bible says He's called us to go, right? He's already called us to do that. I'm not waiting for that calling. I may be waiting to, for a specific thing to go to a country or a place, but I'm called to bring this gospel everywhere I go. I'm called to serve the Lord everywhere I go. I want you all to stand with me. And I want to read this uh, that was written. It's, it's, called, it's a, like a little story or paragraph. And it's called, Try Not to Be Seen. There's a picture, an actual painting which shows a hand holding up a cross. The person is not seen, only the hand. It's good to be the hand that holds up the cross. It's good to be a voice that proclaims the Christ. We would all do well to keep ourselves out of sight and get people to look upon Christ. Amen? To, just to be the hand that's holding up the cross. To hold up Jesus Christ and to serve Him in that way. And so God wants us to serve Him in that way. And He's called us and the Bible says, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. We're all servants of God. And we need to know that. We don't just go through life saying, I'm a Christian, and we may be, and get to heaven one day and do a few things for the Lord along the way. But our whole calling is one 
of servants of God. We were made free from this, being servants of sin, and we were made servants of righteousness. That's what He's called us to do. And I'm going to close with this psalm, Psalm 123.2. Behold, just picture this in your mind. Behold, as the eyes of, a, of servants look unto the hand of their masters. So picture a servant looking at his master, seeing what does my master want? What's he going to require of me? When is he going to call me? And behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord, our God, until that He shall have mercy upon us. And I was just thinking about that. We want, our, we want to be that one that's waiting on the Lord. So when He calls, we're ready to go. I'm talking about little things like, hey, call up your friend and go have lunch with them. They're down, they're lonely, whatever. Pray with them. Just pray with them to something big like I'm calling you into the ministry. Whatever it may be, I'm calling to a life of intercession that we're waiting upon the Lord. Our eyes are waiting upon the Lord. I'm not waiting on my pastor, although the Lord can use my pastor. I'm not waiting on the church. I'm waiting on the Lord to lead me and guide me in my life and what He's called me to, how He's called me to serve Him. And so, Father, we just come before You right now. Y'all find a place and begin to just call upon the Lord. Pray for our church. Pray for yourselves. And, and, but Lord, we come up before You right now. And Father, we thank You. It's a privilege, God, to be called a servant of the Most High God. We're not just servants of sin anymore, God. And we don't serve just to serve. We serve out of love. It's a labor of love unto God. This man, this doctor, young surgeon, God, that you used him to start all these little orphanage homes across all of Europe, God. And it makes such an impact, God, and souls were saved out of that. Or the man who set two extra dinner, dinner plates at his table on Sunday and invited some strangers over to eat, and men got saved because of it, God. Lord, we want to serve you. We don't want to just talk about serving you. We don't want to just read books and inspire us, but we want to serve you, God. We want to be a church that's one of the characteristics that would characterize us at Cornerstone would be we're serving. We're serving the Lord, God. Would you lead us and would you guide us? And God, would you give us servants' hearts to where that service to God will flow from our relationship with Almighty God through our relationship with Jesus Christ, God. It would just flow and it wouldn't be burdensome. It might be hard, God, but it would never be a burden. It would never be grievous. We would never despise serving God. We would love to serve the Lord, even when we're tired, God. Thank you that you always equip who you call. Lord, equip us. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Equip us from your service. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Lord. You've given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, Lord. You've given us what we need to serve you, God. And you will give us what we need to serve you, Lord. Lord, let us be burned up, spin up, used up, God, for you and for your glory while we're on this earth. Until you call us home, God, we want to be found watching and praying and occupying until you're calm, Lord God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.